Ready. <laughs> she wasn't ready. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi, Babylonians. <laughs> have been with us for a long time even from the beginning and we cannot say thank you enough and I know a lot of you have been asking a lot lately how do you make your own podcast well it's simple I use anchor Anchor anchor.fm which is the website or there is an app or you can go on your computer whatever you want to do it's the easiest way Um, it is run through Spotify so that is one of the first uh, platforms that you'll be able to distribute your podcast out onto and there's lots of different it'll stream to at least I think 10 different platforms or more um, I'm going to give you a quick rundown about how it works anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer so no matter where your setup is like you can start creating today today and tell me what your podcast name is because you know I'm gonna listen Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify. I know a lot of you have been asking for video. Don't worry, I'm working on it. With Anchor, creators can earn money, yes, yes, you heard that right, in a variety of ways, including ads like this one and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. That's what sold me even though it didn't have to sell me because it's free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy listening. I am Tootsie Floof. She is Tootsie Floof. And I toots all the floof. (laughs) And then when she has her OnlyFans, it's Tootsie Floofs. Eat him. Eat his face. And I am Shauna, also known as Sassy Buns. And also does a really great impression of the Peter Griffin laugh that we just discovered. I don't know if it can ever be done again. It's fine. It was pretty fucking great. I was trying to, I was looking at a last name in this case we're going to cover. And <laughs> it's, it's real weird. You'll know when we get to it. Um, I pulled this out of my ass. She pulled it. You'll hear all about it. There's a new, the there's a current human here. Hi, Chris. Chris is here. Chris! <laughs> Come sit. We've already recorded one. We're not being lazy. Lies. Or chatty. I should we say. are being super fucking chatty. Chatty. Kathy. Oh, good thing that's empty. Look how Shona's face is so thin. Yeah, I don't know what's going on, but it's but just it's, my face. But it's just her face. <laughs> In the last one, she's just like, I was talking about how I'm fat because I'm winded because I am. And it's okay. Being fat is not a bad thing. But then she's just like, but on a different note, my, she's like, no, I okay, super- no, hold on. That, uh, it's not ha- Upstairs. Hi, everyone on Bloody Babbles. Just keep listening. Bear with us. It's almost over. Story time. Um, story time. Nicole and Kelly are all, Shauna, your face looks really thin. It's kind of, I'm like, I don't know. Quit. Take a fucking picture. Like, I don't know what's happening. So, so that's why I said what I said. It wasn't like I was like, oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then I was 
she's like, yeah, apparently I look thin today. And I'm like, yeah, like her face looks so thin. She's like, let Nicole reiterate. It's just her face that looks thin. I'm like, wow, that makes me sound like a fucking asshole. No wonder she's moving away. That's okay. I, I say I'm into bigger girls. She says I call her fat. Facts. Facts. You're also hella fucking tall. I am. I am a giant. I am an above average human height for a female. And she's not fat, by the way. I am... P-H-A-T. Heyo. I don't like fat cakes. It's fine. So, oh, guess what? It's another Nate episode. Nate. Oh, okay. Well, when we love on Nate, we gotta love on Dawn. Donnie, 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 Always Dawn, 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 Dawn. Because she is the dawn of a day. She's the dawn of my heart. Okay. So... I got real in depth. Yep. Not in depth. Even though I would. Yeah. So fucking glad you went. <laughs> this is way later after that's way over because we're ahead. But so fucking glad. Speaking of head, did you listen to the last episode? Oh! Okay. Was great. If not, listen to her at the end. If you don't listen to the whole thing. You need to listen to the whole thing. Just, please. True. Just, you're going to give but a as lot. As far as the head part. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I said it's a Nate episode, as always. Ha-ha! I ordered a book for this. Hey. I did things. Did she read it? Yes, I did. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I ordered it. I ordered it. Did it take me, like, seven to eight months to read? That's okay. Yes, it did. It was kind of hard to read because it's wrote by the, um, the officer that ended up finding the body that was in this case. So, but, so he writes with, like, a, like, a directness, like, he, like, would describe mm. everyone to, like, their, their hair, their height, what they did, who they lived with, who they lived nearby, like, he was very... King-esque. Yeah, like, very, 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 like, oriented with notes and whatnot, which was great. You need pages about how green the grass was. I right. Yeah. I don't care if Marianne had blue eyes. That's yeah. weird, because that's the case that we just covered. Her name is Marianne. Okay, I mean, you'd know if you lived the last episode. Ah, yes. Okay. Um, but anyways, so... Like, which I, that's fine. It just made it harder because I'm like, I just want to fucking know what happened and how it happened and what went down. That's so. why I have a hard time reading Stephen King books because I'm just like, I, I appreciate your detail, but fuck me. Like, yeah, there's some I can't read. Like, I loved cut. Carrie because it's always very. Oh, well, that Carrie, detail, there's so much more that happened for sure. Yeah, yes. Carrie is probably one of my favorites. Yeah, I know. All my toenails have lost their paint. But any who's or what's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the case of Marie Pauling. So we're going to, um, it's a little bit of a Tarantino. Always. It's always a Tarantino. You know what? This is the, it's fine. It's fine. You know, he's, he's a great man. Uh, Warren, Ohio, 1986, a Tuesday. Because it's always a Tuesday. There was literally a sign when we drove by in Colorado that it just said Tuesday on the side of it. I'm like, yeah, it is. Fucking taking a picture. I forgot. It's okay. I failed. I'm going to drive back that way, though, because uh, Pueblo, Colorado is quite Gorgeous. delightful. Yeah, it's so pretty, mm-hmm. and it's so... I didn't think it was, like, quite the metropolis that it is. It's really beautiful. And, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, Marie and her husband, Richard, had two small children. Dick. I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Dick. Uh, she was a nurse's aide in a nursing home. Um, they had different work shifts, which made it difficult to have plans together. At that point in time in 1986, she was pregnant with her third child, and this was the beginning of their downfall of their marriage. In public, um, she wasn't a homebody because she was having an affair <gasps> with a what? younger man. Dum, dum, dum. Okay, so um, 
I don't know if, like, I can't remember if we say exactly their age difference. Um, there's just, there's a little bit of a difference anyways. But her lover is 21-year-old Rafael Garcia. Um, he's the poor schmuck that she's banging on the side. Got me banging on the counter. It was Raphael. <laughs> that was terrible. He was a follower and he was very submissive. She had a very narcissistic personality and played by her own rules. Yeah. She thought she could manipulate Raphael through her sexcapades. <laughs> that's my own word. I mean, vagina has powers. Uh-huh. Just fucking be careful. And that's, ex- and that's exactly mm. what she did. Mm-hmm. She was just like, pew, 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 pew. Mm-hmm. Um, she claimed that her husband wasn't allowed to touch her and made false claims of abuse against him. Um, she had her third baby, and it was kind of unclear if it was her husband's or if it was her lover's. I was going to say, I wonder. Okay. We, we do find out who the father is. Suspense. <gasps> Richard Pauling was a very hardworking man and would bend over backwards for his two kids and his newborn baby while stupid-ass Marie was trying to find a way to be with her new younger lover. She was putting into motion how she could um, make it to where it was just her and Raphael. So what does she want to do? Kill him! Murder! In the first degree. So it's just like... Why can't you just get divorced? Like, why does it have to come down to this? I just don't understand. Evil. Evil bitches. (laughs) Evil. Evil. Just evil. Evil. January 8th, 1988, Marie was making plans to follow through with her murderous plan. She took her uh, 38 revolver, and while Richard was asleep on the couch, she, like I said, Tarantino, we're just getting right into it. Grabs a pillow, puts it over the gun, and shoots him. She had no conscience and was definitely a vicious fucking murderer. She ends up calling her co-worker, Carlene Robinson, to come help her because this murder became far messier than she had intended. Weird, I shot somebody and there's blood everywhere. Oh my god. (laughs) So the two women wrap him up in sheets and drag his body into the basement. She then reached out to her next accomplice... Why did I say it like that? Right next to Compass. That's because it's boy toy Raphael. He stopped at the hardware store to get equipment to help finish the murder that had taken place. He rented a chainsaw, you know, casual. It's a Tuesday. Just need a chainsaw from my girlfriend. Don't worry about the bloodstains. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. That um, Raphael had gotten money from... Uh, Carlene to decapitate Richard's corpse. Oh my gosh, and he's just on board. Yeah, he's like, all right. And so is Carlene. She's just like, cool, cool, cool. This is what we do. This is so fun. Raphael wasn't a natural killer like Marie was turning out to be and was struggling to complete the task Marie requested of him. She was not repulsed by decapitating her husband's corpse. This crazy bitch thought her and her Mm -hmm. that word is not my friend. Accomplices mm-hmm. would just laugh their way through it. Because you know, like kebabs. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Gross. <laughs> this is why I can never have a better ghost. <laughs> 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 ah, because you know that's what you do on a casual day: shoot your husband's or shoot your husband, <laughs> shoot your children's father, wrap his body up, drag him in the basement, and then decide to cut off his head. Gross. They do more to his body than Obviously just cutting he's up his head. Getting a fucking chainsaw. Jeez. Yeah. This manipulative psychopath tells Raphael to do this one thing for her, and they could then all live happily ever after with their son. <coughs> oh, oh Raphael, spoiler! 
I'm sorry, I just had something in my throat. <laughs> Might have been a chainsaw. I don't know. It definitely wasn't her ex. This is disgusting. Day. We're sorry. so dark. I'm sorry. Uh, Raphael went into the followers mode and did what she said. Raphael didn't want to look at Richard's face while he was removing his head from the Get body. <laughs> sorry. A little too late for chivalry, chivalry or compassion, my dude. He prayed to God and then hacked off Richard's head. <laughs> 10 to 20. Stop. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, Dick. But hacked off Dick's head. <sighs> 10 to 20 sings to be able to take the head from the corpse. God cannot save you, my guy. <laughs> they wrote. Oh, Raphael and Marie went to dump the body together on Racetrack Road. And you know why she chose Racetrack Road? Because Richard enjoyed tinkering with cars and racing them on the weekends. So she felt that this was a good resting place for his body because he loved cars so much. I'm like, that's just wow. fucking hey, man, morbid. Hey, she totally has a heart. It's fine. Yeah, a heart on for her boyfriend, mm. not for her deceased husband. She was absolutely repulsive to think of this in, uh, was some commemoration to his memory and life to dump his body in this particular spot without his head to be noted. He can't see shit. Sorry. It's a good final resting place, resting spot since he loved racing so much. I hate her. Total Barb City. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. They made sure to put distance between his body and his head because, you know, casual things. Um, <laughs> just. Are you still getting over the dickhead thing? <laughs> We're just. I can't. Richard, we're so sorry. Alright, keep going. Marie was very convinced that she would end up getting away with murder. Wrong. Mm -hmm. She obviously does not. Less than two weeks later, the body of Richard Pauling, it, okay, I think I said Pauling. No, I did say Pauling. Um, was discovered and identified quickly through fingerprints because I think he had gotten into some minor trouble when he was younger. Mm -hmm. So, um, they had his fingerprints on foot. Um, she confided in people. Well, this turns you a cat. It was amazing. <laughs> my sweet boyfriend is cutting my hair, and he stopped, and I, like, straight on, like, almost hissed you at him. Hissed, yeah. yeah, I did. <laughs> so please don't stop. Believe in. Okay. She confided in people, and um, that is what ended up being her downfall. First being Raphael, and he crumbled at the questioning. He was just like, bleh, 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 bleh. Yeah. Uh, Marie was questioned and said she was at work, but upon interrogation and questioning, it was confirmed she had called in to called in, okay called into sick mm -hmm. called in sick to work that day. She had a very intense stare that made the questioning officer's hair on the back of his neck stand up. Ooh, I know exactly people who like look like that. Uh, pure evil in this woman. Carlene was um, uh, charged with and then ended up being convicted of obstruction of justice. Uh huh, and perjury for her part played in Richard's murder. Um, she ended up; she would only have to serve eighteen months in her sentence because what? She, yeah, that's Carlene, not Marie. Oh, okay. That's the the friend that she called okay. to come help her. Her nurse okay, friend. Sorry, I was. Raphael ended but up just walk out. <laughs> don't do that again. Don't help your. Don't just help this member of dead man's body. All right. Don't do that. Um, Raphael was convicted of aggravated burglary, abuse of a corpse, and obstruction of justice. Um, he would end up serving 13 years, and he ended up being released in 2001. Raphael thought he was going to replace Richard and be Marie's lover, and come to find out, he was straight up married. He was not the father of the baby boy. Richard was the biological father. Oh, you should have come to Maury! Ooh. Yeah, you done fucked up, Raphael. Marie picked up the charge. Get in the ray of dick. Okay, Sorry. so she ends up. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. 
She ended up picking up the charge of aggravated murder and abuse of a corpse, and she ended up getting sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of 20 years. She has been denied parole several times, and her next parole hearing is in October of 2022, my dudes. Oh, yeah. A little close to us. Uh, yeah, scary. She's beyond redemption and doesn't deserve to be released. So, we're going to backtrack now that I've told you all the nitty-gritty gory. Not nitty-gritty gory. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty gory. Okay, here we Quar- go. Quarantino. 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 I knew what I meant. <laughs> so we were going to backtrack to when the body was found and the officer who wrote a book about his discovery in the lead up to the arrest and such. Um, okay, so is this trigger warning? We're going to get details? Yeah, we're going to get like de 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 details. Mm-hmm. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Um, yeah, it's pretty gross. Um, it's uh, If you're not uncomfortable with some spots, I'll try to like... Then why do you listen to us? Yeah, like, why do you, why, why you listen to true crime? You're here for the gross stuff. This is what we're here for. January 22nd, 1988, David Weimer was driving on Racetrack Road and pulled his truck over onto the side of the highway because he had seen a tire on a wheel from an earlier trip he had taken and wanted to see if it was still there. He walked across four lanes of traffic and looked over the guardrail. He noticed some trash bags as he was looking for the tire. Out of one of those bags was a human foot sticking out of it. Because it's never a mannequin. <laughs> just so everyone's aware. Mm-hmm. He kept trying to flag down cars driving by, but no one would stop. He finally got back into his truck and drove to the newspaper office, because that's where you should go. The news. The Observer reporter in Washington, Pennsylvania, he was sent to the uh, state police barracks in the same city. <coughs> Sorry, my mouth just got really dry. Uh, Trooper Bernard Stanick, who is the one who actually wrote the book, and I do have the name of the book in here at some point. If not, I will look it up at some point okay um he was a criminal investigator for the state police and had spent a few hours with the local attorney talking about an upcoming court case he had been there the last 22 years where it was january 22nd and he's been there 22 years my birthday's may 22nd she her next thing is in 22 october 22 that's a lot of 22s my dudes sorry i just correlated all of that together right now trooper paul bivens was in charge of the records and identification unit when the med were contacted, they were told to meet with the sergeant immediately because we have a body. Mm-hmm. Um, they said it just like that. <laughs> uh, Trooper Barry Beals also went to the scene. Coroner Farrell Jackson was contacted to meet on scene. And boy, were they going to be in for a big surprise when they discovered it wasn't a full body. Mm. Washington Ambulance and Chair Service was the ambulance used in the area for transporting injured or dead bodies because the coroner's office didn't have their own service. Oh, wow. Yeah. The body was found off Interstate 79 and Route 19, um, being, uh, what, being he Meadows Racetrack? Clearly I typed that super wrong. Being near the Meadows Racetrack. It was a horse racetrack. I can type, it's fine. I just don't know how to freaking type. The body was wrapped in black <laughs> trash bags. That was really bad, I'm so sorry. Um, wrapped in black trash bags, the top half wrapped down to the waist and the second from the feet up to the waist with one foot sticking out. So she just left him in the bags? Yeah. Him out, didn't try to bury or anything? Nope. Just yeeted him out. Wow. Well, tossed, tossed aside like literal garbage because she's fucking sex. Um, Stanek touched the foot to confirm it was human and not a mannequin. Mm-hmm. And he said, feels like a human foot to me. It is hard and ice cold. Paul touched it as well to confirm that it was indeed felt human. Everybody's touching dick. (laughs) Sorry. Sean Renee. It was hard. (laughs) So cold. Not a job I think I can handle or stomach. (laughs) Stanley told Paul to take pictures to make sure no physical evidence would be missed. 
After the photographs, they had decided to undo the bags and examine the body. They started at the bottom of the body to cut the trash bags off. As they removed the bag, the body seemed to be wrapped in a velvet gold blue bread bedspread. Damn it. I was doing so well. They opened it and discovered the legs had brown jeans. Uh, both feet were bare with no socks or shoes. Around the feet was a gold sheet and another light blue sheer um, uh, sheet with flowers and butterflies on it because it was, I believe, one of their daughters. Um, to, or, yeah. Two of the corner sheets were tied in knots. Continuous photos were taken of the sheets and body's findings. They continued up the body, found the area of the head was wrapped in white sheets. They were probably stained with red because there were blood. Um, as they pulled the sheets off, they discovered the head had been removed. Stanek said, God damn, somebody was really pissed off at this guy to cut his head off. Beale said with his dry humor, I wonder what, what the hell they did it with. You don't suppose they had it mounted, do you? That's <laughs> <laughs> Sean. <laughs> Sean is Beals. She is sassy Beals now for this episode. The head was cut off from the lower jaw um, back to the upper edge of the neck. I guess I should have warned right there. Um, sorry. sorry. You were warned earlier. Yeah. They saw a dark beard and his bottom teeth were revealed. I'm all touching my teeth like they're still there. The tongue was intact. Oh my gosh. Um, they weren't sure uh, what was used to cut the top of the head off because there were lots of cuts where it was separated. The murderer used a ton of blankets to wrap the body up. Drapes in red, the butterfly sheet. Um, they noticed a homemade tattoo on the right forearm in blue ink that said rich. It was a with a plus sign underneath the name Ower. Uh, rich plus Ower. O-H-E-R. Ower. Ower. The front pockets of his pants were pulled out as to indicate Dick he was... Or. God! You are relentless with the dick. That's why your brother married me. Okay. That's why my husband brother married me. My husband brother. Married her. It went, it went my husband brother. Gross. Because she's my because <laughs> she's my she's my son's auntie. I am dad. so sorry. I like in like the family's gonna hear this and be like, wow, Sean is a fucking cunt. <laughs> and um, I'm not. And I'm sorry. I just I This just is how we're it, dealing with yeah. it. I, I'm really sorry what happened to Richard. Yeah. To Dick. Because <laughs> I love Dick. <laughs> and we love him, R.I.P. Yep. <laughs> so sorry this happened to you, Richard. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is just who we are as people. We're not trying. I'm, I'm stressed laughing so hard right now. And they're probably like, oh my god, these inconsiderate fuckheads. Yeah. Bring the children back. Yeah. <laughs> At least those were like, they didn't know what you were talking ah. about. You guys are just laughing because yeah, you don't know how to be... we just can't have cases with anybody named Richard. fucking 12-year-old boys inside of our brains, all right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> the front pockets of his pants <laughs> were pulled out to indicate as if he was robbed. But <laughs> Sorry, no, the front... Po- <laughs> That's what you say. You pull out your pockets and you see if you ever kissed elephant between his ears. Dick. The body... Dick! The body okay. hadn't been there as long... As it hadn't begun to decay yet, lividity was on the back as if it, um, as it, oh my god. As it's when a person dies is left lying in one position, the blood will accumulate to the lowest point of the body. I like saying lividity because it's fun and it's gross. The next line of business would, uh, to be to find the head. Dick. Dick's head. Oh my god. 
Just wait till... Oh, we're going to get into his penis, though. <laughs> when Bernard Sandick had the body taken to the morgue, he wasn't allowed to go as he was get, be, going to be getting off duty. And his new captain said the man on night shift, Paul Bivens, could go survey the autopsy. That night, Sandick was called by Bivens about the autopsy. The only um, new piece of information from picking the corpse up from the scene, headless, was his ball sack was cut open down the middle and his oh balls gosh. were hanging out. Aww. The body had been there approximately 72 hours. His fingerprints were easy to take and would be helpful in identification. Dental was also a way of identifying him since his lower jaw was still intact. Mm. I wanted to yawn. Dr. Andrew Balto was a maxial facial forensics dentist. He was quick to help and cleared his schedule to be able to go examine the teeth. Like He literally like, canceled everything and was like, no, I'm on my way. Um, Bernard Sanek's book, The Road to Justice, goes into detail about the findings and how it all comes together. Stanek arrived at the coroner's office, met the secretary, Jean Hamill, and went into the coroner's office. All right, thank you for Jackson Abernathy. That up for me. Jackson, <laughs> Jackson Abernathy said, quote, I can't tell you much more than you know. I, I estimate the man to be about six feet tall and about 200 to 210 pounds. He has a scar that indicates he had his left kidney removed for whatever reason. He had no stomach content and nothing but dirt in his fingernails. He didn't appear to have any kind of wounds other than many, many cut marks on the back and shoulder area and the neck area where the neck his head had been severed. As you know, the lividity is on his back. I'd say he's been dead for three or four days. There isn't a lot of decay or decomposition. Stanek asked, were there any other wounds, knife wounds, gunshots, burns, anything out of the ordinary? Nothing. Besides his penis being mutilated. Fingerprints were used to identify the body as that of Richard Pauling on January 29th. That's Kansas Day because I like irrelevant facts and dates. <laughs> Pauling's fingerprints were on file because he had been arrested as a young man. That led Stanek and his fellow investigators to Marie Pauling. Dum, dum, dum. Mm -hmm. da -da. Stanek learned that the Paulings lived in Warren with their three children, aged six, four, and six months. Six, four, and six months. Sorry, I said that really fast. A Howland police officer went to the house on Niles Road, just south of Warren City Limits, and notified her. She agreed to have an officer drive her to Washington, uh, Pennsylvania at 1.30 a.m. on January 30th to meet with Stanek and identify the body. Two hours later, Stanek with Marie Pauling um, got basic information, the first of many interviews with the 29-year-old nurse's aide. Okay, so boyfriend's 21, she's 29, and then her husband, I think he's just a little bit older than her. So... She was working at the nursing home on North Road in Warren. Richard worked as a crane man at LTV in Youngstown. She told Stanek... Worked as a what? A crane man. Okay, he said Korean. How do you work as a Korean man? He's a very good artist. Okay. At, 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 good All right. <laughs> she told Stanek the last time she saw her husband was when he left on January 9th, filling some plastic bags with clothing and telling her he was leaving her for another woman. They're always leaving for another woman. She said she heard from him again around January 12th, when, she, when he called to tell her he was leaving $100 in the mailbox for her, she found the money that night for the kids, I guess. I don't know. Around 5 a.m., Stanek told, took Marie to a nearby funeral home, and she identified the body by looking at a tattoo on his arm. Mrs. Pauling then just rubbed the arm of her husband and cried and appeared to be very upset, Stanek mm -hmm. wrote in his report. Mm -hmm. He took her back to the police station to continue the interview, and it began a pattern. She responded promptly and helpfully when Stanek asked for additional information, because rehearsal time, y'all. Right. Okay. Ooh. 
In a few days, Marie notified Stanick of Richard's calling hours in Mineral Ridge. Stanick and other officers spent two days in Trumbull County interviewing the people who knew Richard. Before they arrived, he contacted the then Howland Police Chief Thomas, I'm going to guess Altier, who helped them secure rooms at the Avalon Inn in Howland. Altier and some of his officers assisted in the investigation. It was weeks before it became clear that the homicide had occurred in Howland and was therefore in Howland's jurisdiction. Jurisdiction. Hey, I helped! Jurisdiction. Not the jurisdiction of the Pennsylvania troopers. Stanick's first stop when he, uh, he and fellow investigators arrived at the Youngstown Police Department to help... Um, in arranging a meeting with a security manager at LTV on Poland Avenue at the femur... At the femur. femur. Sander? <laughs> at the funeral home that night, Stanek learned that none of Richard's friends ever knew Richard to run around on his wife. It was a comment the investigator heard many more times. He was not a hoe. Mm-hmm. His wife was. Mm-hmm. What, what did you say in the last episode? Anchovy cunt? Yes. <clears throat> It's apparently a reoccurring theme. Yep. Stanick mm-hmm. interviewed Marie again that night at the house, looking at the house, including the basement, learning that she had thrown away... Oh my God, I can't stop yawning. <gasps> learning that she had thrown away his clothes and a love letter from a woman named Diana mm-hmm. and a receipt she had found indicating Richard had bought flowers at an Adgate florist shop for Diana, whoever Diana is. Mm-hmm. The investigation proceeded at a slow, methodical pace as people... Uh, Richard and Marie knew helped the investigator follow leads, such as asking the florist to provide information about Richard buying, flower- buying flowers. The florist later said he had not. He didn't buy any flowers. It was a bunch of bullshit. Three weeks into the investigation, Stanek awoke in his, beth- beth- mm-hmm. in his bed and told his wife, Alma, I know who killed him. She did it. His wife, Marie. Just in his dreams. All of a sudden, boom. Stanek, my man. Dream weaver. Yeah. Sorry. Stanick and the other Pennsylvania troopers used the Howland Police Department as their interviewing, telephoning, and office space. Um, Robert Lowe, a cousin of Richard Pauling, told Stanick to talk to another cousin, Pam Mayer, who told investigators she and her husband had given the Paulings a set of red drapes, which Marie had hung in the house. Remember? Red drapes. <laughs> I really don't know what happened to them or where they are. I know I read in the paper that one of the items Richard was wrapped in was a red drape, she told Stanick. Huh. Job. Not long afterwards, Stanek interviewed Dolores Dzidzik. That that was the name. Lord I, Dick. That's what I kept trying to say because I was saying Zydzik. Zydzik. It's spelled weird. D Z I E D Z I C. It's a dead dick now. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm so sorry. Who lived across the street from the Paulings, who told Stanick about the light blue bed sheets with butterflies on them she had given to the Paulings for Christmas. Wowzers. Stanick showed her a photograph of the sheets that were wrapped around Richard's body that when it was found. Those are the sheets I gave Marie for a Christmas present last Christmas, Dolores said. It has her last name, and I am not saying that again. Charlie Kirkwood, a friend of Richard's who was the owner of Maine Auto Junkyard in Niles, told investigators to speak with Christine Wilkinson, who was a friend of Marie's. When they walked into Wilkinson's home on Valacamp Road, she began crying and began became hysterical, telling Stanek, Marie is going to kill me. Ooh, strong words there, friend. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Wilkinson then told Stanick of Marie's plans to kill her husband. She said Marie disgusted disgusted the previous August. One of the ways she told me she would do it is to cut up the body into parts and dump them in different places. She said. <clears throat> so, whew, okay. The reason Marie wanted her husband dead was, quote, because she wants to be with Rafael Garcia Jr., her boyfriend, Wilkinson, said she told me Richard would never give her a divorce. She told me she would commit the perfect murder. She did so good. She did so great. It's fine. When Stanek met Garcia at 24, she, um, he admitted, okay, because it was three years later, or, yeah, something, I don't know. He's 24 now. He admitted that he and Marie were lovers and that Marie had bought him a waterbed and clothes. Oh, waterbeds. Ooh. Ooh, thunder. Garcia and Marie were, um, would often see each other in her car at work and spent time together in her house at night while Richard was at work. Ew. He denied knowing anything about Richard's murder. Well. When asked about the bed sheets, Marie said Richard took them with him when he left. She said Richard apparently also took one of the red drapes. She called Garcia and Wilkinson liars. Oh. You know, just the people you called to help you yeah, fucking that's commit really murder. really smart of you. Go it's ahead. so fucking that. kind. All right. After Garcia was charged in the case, he agreed to speak to Stanek and Stanek's partner, James Pat, and gave a 32-page statement in which he said Marie had shot Richard with his own gun as he slept on the couch that co-worker... Carlene Robinson, who was 27, came over to help clean up and move the body to the basement. Garcia rented an axe for $4.20 from the rental corral on Mahoning. Mahoning? Mahoning? Mahoning is what I can see. It's fine. Mahoning Avenue. He used it to decapitate Richard on the basement floor, he said. Then he and Marie drove the body to Pennsylvania, about two hours from home, took it out of the trunk, and dumped it along the side of the highway. But they had to hurry because they were there was too much traffic, because, you know, that's something you don't want when you're dumping a body. Drove another 20 miles onto a back road, and Garcia took the head out of the car and laid it on the road. I was going to run it over to make it look like it had been hit by a car, but a car came down the road the other way and stopped and asked us if we needed help, Garcia said. Oh I God. told him no, and he said, it looks like there's something laying in front of your car. I said, no, and then he kept going. I threw the bag with the head over the guardrail, he said. Okay. Um, like, can you imagine, like, that coming out later on, like, that person, like, uh, uh, I don't know how that would make me feel. I'd be freaking out. I'd be like, mm, you guys are being weird. Okay, bye. Garcia later helped Stanek and the other officers find the head, but the gun was never recovered. Because remember, she's when she was driving to the freaking appointment and, <laughs> and Hardy's <laughs> with freaking drugged out. What was her name? Denise or something like that. Mm -hmm. In the um, car, she was tossing stuff. So yeah, tossing stuff over uh, into the water and stuff. My nose ring is being freaking annoying. Um, Garcia and Robinson testified at Pauling's trial. Garcia was sentenced to 5 to 25 years in prison after being convicted of aggravated burglary, burglary, <laughs> abuse of a corpse and obstruction of justice and served 13 years and he was released in 2001. Robinson was sentenced to 18 months in prison after being cons con I said constricted, convicted of obstruction of justice and perjury. During you know the storm is bad when Misty comes downstairs. <laughs> 
During the trial, Marie's defense attorney said Marie shot her husband January 8th because he held a revolver to their infant son's head and threatened to kill him earlier that day, right. according to news coverage in the Tribune Chronicle. Get it together. Like, what the f- Oh, sorry. Uh, I keep referring back to the John Depp and Amber Depp. Amber Depp. Mm-hmm. Not Amber Depp. Amber Heard case. Ew! Ah! I'm editing that out. Okay. Um, I'm fixing that. That's gross. I thought I said that. And like how they're like just made up shit. Yep. Like as a news service, like you're supposed to get you're supposed to be the news. You're supposed to be telling the truth. Right. And I so I just that's anyway. Keep going. Stanick said the key to the case was um talking so many times with Marie and being an active listener, enabling him to observe many inconsistencies. The more we interviewed her, the more lies she told, which is, I mean, a good tactic, because like you said, mm-hmm. either this episode or the one before, so I don't remember. Episodes. I'm we saying just, every we, episode. Every episode. <laughs> the more lies they tell, the more their story changes. Yep. Every time we talked to her, she told me different things. Over a period of time of talking to her over and over and over she would always state things differently. I'm from the old school that if you lie once, you can't remember the second time what you told me. Right. John say F. Fucking lie. Truth. You can just all say it over and over and over again. Ain't no thing. Nothing's gonna change. Right. But Ugh. if you're a liar, mm-hmm. your story is never consistent. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm just gonna leave it like that. John F. DeSalle, who was the judge of Washington County Court of Common Pleas. <sighs> said Stanek's book recounts the events surrounding his investigation of this horrific murder as only a seasoned criminal detective can. His attention to detail and amazing gift of recall brings the crime scenes to life. Yeah. It, read the, if you feel like reading a book, go read it. The Road to Justice. Road, road. road to Justice. Mm-hmm. In an interview, Stanek said Marie may have thought she was capable of committing the perfect murder, but she was wrong. I remember kiddingly saying to Garcia, it was almost a perfect murder, but you should have never dumped that body in Washington County, Stanek said. (laughs) So this is an article that was from uh, November of 2019. Trumbull County prosecutor Dennis Watkins wrote that convicted murderer Marie Pauling confided to a friend she had dreamt about committing the perfect murder. Prosecutor in a letter to the Ohio Parole Board said the black widow needs to dream on her final days in prison. <laughs> Pauling, um, 60, is up for parole in December, I believe. Um, I think, yeah, December of 22, 22 this year. And for the fifth time, Watkins has gone to the pen to oppose her plans for freedom. So she's 60 now. So that's, she was 29 when this happened? Okay, so we talked about... Okay, um, they keep going to her parole, because she's up for parole in December 2022. In my view, the totality of the circumstances presented with evidence shows, first, a horrific crime scene with precision planning, execution, and cover-up, and second, an individual who wholly lacks a conscience and moral compass. Watkins writes to Trace Thalheimer, Thalheimer, chairman of the Ohio Parole Board, in a letter dated November 12th, she is not fit for society and will always be a threat to go into her killer mode again against anyone who gets in her way in the future once unrestrained, Watkins wrote. Watkins was the lead prosecutor in the 1988 trial that saw Pauline convicted of aggravated murder with firearm specifications and abuse of a corpse. She was sentenced to 24 and a half years to life and so far has served 31 years and three months in the Ohio Reformatory for Women at Marysville. 
she has opposed her parole in previous letters to the parole board dated August 14, 1990, March 31, 2005, January 27, 2010, and November 19, 2014. The trial before the late common pleas judge Robert Nader, <laughs> Nader uh, focused on a love triangle leading to the woman convincing her lover to cut off her husband's head after she murdered him. Garcia was released from prison in 2001 after serving 13 years of a 5 to 25 year sentence after his conviction on aggravated burglary, abuse of a corpse, and obstruction of justice charges. Watkins wants no freedom for Pauling, however. The only thing decent she did during her bloodlust was to get a babysitter for her three children. Inmate Pauling des deserves nothing, Watkins wrote. She's due for parole in 2022. Eek, that's what I wrote. Um, she will be up yeah, for parole the seventh time in uh, 2022. In Watkins' letter opposing parole, he wrote, Pauling is not fit for society and will always be a threat to go into her killer mode against anyone who gets in her way in the future once unrestrained. Watkins was the lead oh, yeah, prosecutor. Um, I just repeated that. So she is still in the Ohio Reformatory for Women at Marysville. And that is snap of the business. That is a lot. Yep. That is a lot. That was just... Gross. It was very... Like I said, his... Um, the book is super, like, very, very detail-oriented. Did it say the name of the book in there? The Road to Justice. Okay. By Bernard Stanek. S-T-A-N-E-K. Stanek. Mm -hmm. yep. And there is baby sounds, because now we've got a baby here. So there is... This is perfect timing. It's right at the end, so it's fine. Okay. Yes. So, yes. Um, once again, we just um, enjoy Shauna's voice. <laughs> Not through a computer screen, at least for this time. <laughs> but I think we're going to try and get together at least one more time. Yes. Because um, I've got a couple more cases ready to go, plus something special. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> but um, Fantasy and World Music by The Factor does our sound. Follow us on all the socials. Tell us if there's a case you want us to cover. We'll we'll do. I will do my due diligence and try to give it the perfect story as I can. We love all of you humans. And until next time, Babylon. What's good, people? This your boy Big Bruh. I'm the host of Live with Big Bruh, a podcast where I keep it raw, uncut, uncensored, and unfiltered. Always keeping it 100 and giving you guys my opinion on topics that you need to go check out. Live with Big Bruh is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, or wherever else you like to listen to your favorite podcast. Make sure you go subscribe, rate, and share it. And while you're at it, tell your friends tell their friends to do the same thing you can find me on instagram facebook or twitter at live with big bruh and remember they can hold you but they can't stop you big bruh out